Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, um, Rogine. Um, so we have uh, two um, faces that we haven't met yet. Um, we have Armand King, and he's so exciting. Um, the camera. Um, we'll see him in a bit. There we go. There's Armand. Um, and we have uh, David um, Garzon from White Ribbon. Um, so welcome, um, Armand and David. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, YAS members, um, this is going to be a really, really exciting um, uh um, meeting today. We're going to hear some really different perspectives that we haven't heard before. Um, but before I go uh, forward, I just want to say that, you know, it, this could be potentially um, some heavy things that we'll talk about. Um, so if you ask members, if you need to kind of, you know, turn off your videos and, and take a break from it, that's completely okay. Just do what you need to do to feel comfortable. So I'm going to, um, who, uh, Nora, who has, um, who have we designated to, uh, to introduce Armand? Absolutely. So we have Julie first, who's going to introduce Armand, and then Teresa will go for David. Okay. And are we recording? We are now. Thank you. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Recording in progress. Go ahead, Julie. All right. Thank you. So Armand King Bordy is the co-founder of the aptly named nonprofit Paving Great Futures. Fueled by his experience in the streets, King serves a, as a shepherd to guide others out of the prison pipeline, criminal activity, and domestic human sex trafficking that he knows all too well. Armand's experience includes creating and implementing new programs, serving current and former gang mem members, criminal justice-involved individuals, and high-risk youth. Armand serves on boards and task forces on law enforcement relations, human trafficking, and victim advocacy issues. He conducts community outreach for high-risk communities. He also serves as a credible messenger and mentor to young adults and juveniles on probation and in custody. Armand draws upon his direct experience with the criminal justice system, including incarceration and the challenges of re-entry to guide others. For many years, he was misguided by the streets and helped to misguide others, not realizing the detriment of his actions. Life for him is now filled with rewriting his past, but helping others pave a greater future. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Armand, the floor is yours. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good morning. And yeah, so that 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 was the extended intro that we sent you. I like I said everything. I appreciate being here, and I um I, I really I'm loving loving the diversity I'm seeing in the group. Um, you know, and I'm I'm really really anxious to um to speak with you all. Um, question before I started: Did you all get a chance to read over that the um the little skit that I sent you? Yes, I got a thumbs up. I got another thumbs up. Some people are like, what's it? Okay, no. All right, so just a brief brief on what, what that is. And uh, really, definitely, whenever you guys get a chance, we'd love to get your feedback on that with those questions I sent you. Um, that is going into a youth curriculum that I am um, I'm launching um, coming up. The pilot will be this fall coming up in the specific. This will lead into what I'm discussing. Um, it's a youth curriculum directed specifically towards marginalized communities um, started off as just specifically young black men in the community to to teach them not it's a, a, a anti-pimp curriculum that I'm building um, but before I when I, originally when I started off with the anti-pimp curriculum 
um, I realized I started thinking like when you're a kid, you're not thinking you want to be a pimp when you grow up or what they call a trafficker now. You know, it that is a, a, a f- effect afterwards. There's, there's some core things there that led you even to think that lifestyle was something that you could do or should do in the first place. So I had to dial back and address those issues. And it's in those, um, that is one of the things that impacts communities of color, uh, um, you know, uh, in, impoverished communities. But then you have um, other hustles. And nine times out of 10, looking at myself and my friends, we did what we we weren't doing things because we were monsters. We were doing it because there was a lack of opportunity and resources around us. And this is our way that we thought we thought as a young kid at 16 years old that this was a way out of um, of poverty. Um, can I get hosting power so I can share? I have a slide presentation to kind of help me stay on task. This is a extremely uh, you are the co-host. It's an extremely passionate um, topic for me. Um, every time I have to speak about this, it's not I'm not just presenting um, and, I, and I apologize. I, I do not want to um, like I know it's, it is a tough, tough topic for me, too. Every time I do something like this, I have I, I'm reliving not just my 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 nightmare, which it was. But out of eight of my best friends, I'm one of four that's still uh, one of the one of four that's still alive. All of my friends are dead through this lifestyle. So every time I talk about it, I'm talking about my life, their life, and I'm reliving a, a, a pain. And what most, um, and what most, um, it's just a good speaking topic. This is not just a speaking topic to me. And nor is this. And to start off, before I go into these slides, human sex trafficking is a huge, various issue. Unfortunately, many people they put it under one umbrella as if it is the same thing, as if familiar trafficking. Uh, um, at first, even I wasn't even I was kind of at all um, off on saying this was child sex trafficking that I was speaking on. But I was a child. The girls, the women, the the um, the, the young ladies, my sisters, my cousins that got involved. We were 16 years old. That was child sex trafficking. That was our child. Um, we just called it pimping and prostitution at the time. The sex trafficking term is pretty new to about 2014 when it became I became aware of it. But I'm only calling this human sex trafficking because that is the common term. But the people in the hood, the people in the marginalized community, we don't call this sex trafficking. Don't even think it's the same thing. And it is very, very, it is very different with some similarities. But the culture behind it, the, the reason it's done is very different than this umbrella that it's put under with all these other types of sex trafficking. And that's just my opinion. And you're going to get my opinion. Okay. Everybody has one. This isn't cookie cutter. This is the way it is. It's no other way. It's just the way this, this great presenter put it. And no, no, it's not. Okay. Pull up my screen and share where we at. All right. Can you see my screen? No, no, we can't. You cannot because I probably didn't push the share screen button. That would work. There we go. Now you can. Ha ha ha. Right, we're good. Thumbs up. All right, I got head nods. Okay. All right. So, for having a glorious title, we're calling this child sex trafficking in marginalized communities. Why is this lifestyle attractive to youth? 
Why was it when I was a kid? Why is it still attractive to youth? Okay. First and foremost, I cannot pretend or act like sex trafficking, and particularly from my lens here in North America, in, in America, United States, I cannot act or pretend like this is something new to the country. Oh my God, this epidemic is now here. It's crazy. Where did this come from? No, no, no. Let's be honest. The sex trafficking, trafficking of human life is the birth of this country. It has always been here. This is not even the biggest of the epidemic or the situation. The foundation of this country was labor and sex trafficking from day one, which was okayed by this government. The transatlantic slave trade of black African people is still to this day the largest trafficking situation ever, you know, um, during that time, there was not it was not just um, labor and fields and building of this country and establishing this country. There was literally sex camps at that time. There was no money exchange because the slave master could just rape and take children, boys, girls, women, men. You know, this is this country that I'm in. So um, for when so it's almost a slap in the face as this is now the issue or a major issue. No, 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 America. This has been your issue. There's parts of this country where it's still legal here in San Diego, where I'm sitting right now. There's never been a time where a woman could not go get a license to be an in-call, out-call escort. We know what escorts are doing. You know, they know. But you're paying taxes. It's okay. In Las Vegas, Nevada, the the adults Disneyland totally legal to be a um, to um, for the sex trade. So if this is a rules and regulations thing, so if I cross this county line, if I cross this into this different region, it's okay. But then here it's not. Where's our morality? This is not um, welcome to America. Um, so from back then to get into where I'm going, like why the question was why is this attractive? To young people in the community now from my lens and I'm not again I'm not speaking for these other levels of sex trafficking I know of them but I'm not an expert there and as youth that are getting into this advocacy field caution yourself when you're listening to these experts that are teaching you that are coming from a textbook coming from a documentary or documentaries or trainings that they got without the lived experience and pushing certain views on 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 to you um, just be careful where you're getting your information from and dissect it all for yourself because they are people's opinions. And where did they get their training from? I didn't. My training was firsthand. And, and for people to act like they're experts in all these areas and telling you that cautious, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't. I got to be truthful. I know of these other levels of sex trafficking, but I'm not an expert at them. I'm not. And I will never even lead or teach from those. I can give you my opinion. But that's about it. We can have a good dialogue and conversation. You probably know more about those other sex trafficking issues than I do. But when it comes to this urban domestic human sex trafficking, pimping and prostitution, the subculture that's really impacted black and brown communities, impoverished communities, I am an expert, a lived experience expert. So now we're talking about why, why was it attractive to me and my friends? Why is it attractive to kids now? And back to the roots, there was a destruction of the family. There's a destruction and a, a devaluing of the black woman specifically during these times where we didn't value a, a embedded self-hate that still exists to this day. 
when people from the outside can look at why does this gang kill this gang? They look the same. They're from the no, but we don't like each ourselves. And this was embedded hundreds of years ago. I have to re I have to reverse that within myself. I'm self-aware. I'm recognizing it within myself. I had to teach myself again that it was okay to say hi to another black man when I pass him. And where did this come from? It's not overnight and we are not monsters. This was a training over hundreds of years that was embedded into us. Okay. Now, I just spoke on it, you know, back in the day, even when the, the so-called slaves was freed, the slave was freed, we continued, there was freed and they weren't able to bring slaves over anymore. But they continue to have sex breeding camps here in the United States where they would produce their own labor right here. You know, so this this carried on for for many, many years. And this is a whole topic within itself. And one day I'll be writing a book raised in pimp country. We had the Emancipation Proclamation, 1863. Slaves were freed. Uh, but now freed when they freed the slaves, it wasn't, you know, most most slaves just remained in servitude. They, they were free, but they didn't just flee and run over free. Now, where did they go? Did they just have the finances and resources from the hundreds of years and what they invested in building in building this country to now go start a prosperous land somewhere or city or town? No, they didn't. Wasn't no no uh, <laughs> severance pay. There was no here goes your, your checks to keep going. They were just left out into go the ones that were able to go. And most of them turned back and like they didn't know anything else. They would have been raised this way. They had no family structure. So um, it was still OK. A lot of people, a lot of people, you know, who were used to the, the slave master just being able to take to rape, to pillage the woman. Now, knowing the slave master did not end his desire for that slave, his sexual desire did not just suddenly stop. And as you look now, we dissect who the buyer is. It's not different from who the taker was. You know, it's my uh, majority uh, upper class, middle to upper class, uh, uh, middle age, uh, uh, elder white man is the number one buyer in this country. You know, so that desire didn't end. So they, it was quick before you. It's not it's not long before you discovered a hustle. And if I can get money for my body, if it, it, then I will sell what I have to to eat, to feed my family. Now I can get a couple bucks from master rather than just get raped. And this was a beginning. And uh, like I said, this is a whole deeper issue. We can I've, I've really dug in and dissected where where did this come from? What made this subculture of pimping and prostitution really fair seeming to my community? It wasn't a, a we were tricked. Eventually, it wasn't uh, what you hear force fraud or coercion on our part. And many times it, it, it's a way out. Jim Crow segregation, blacks and natives separated from whites, underfunded facility areas of inhabitants, lower wages, poor education system. So I'm just going to say the continue the continuation of um, being attacked the continuation of being separated, the continuation of keeping these communities on purpose impoverished, keeping these communities um, um, not able to progress over years. So even far after slavery, the, the murder, the, 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 the um, arrest, the, the, just the, the terrorism, just being real. This wasn't racism. This is terrorism right here, you know. Thank you to Canada. I, I have never been there. I've read and heard the stories. Many slaves had to flee. That's how many black people are in Canada today. 
We have to run from terrorism here as we see now from other countries fleeing. And as America here, we close the gates, not knowing this is this is the roots and how we got established. All right. Just how I had to lay a foundation for real, because I, I know not many people and speakers are going to even go there to them. It's oh, this epidemic is just blowing up. Where is this coming from? No, no, no. This is this country. Always has been. OK, there's been the brothels. You watch the old school country Western films and you see the sheriff and the mayor hanging out at the saloons and the girl with the bustier taking the men up to the room. You see the Moulin Rouges. Don't overlook this with the fancy songs and the grand pianos. Those dudes were in there tricking those dudes. They had wives at home. Betsy Sue and all them was in at, at home. They had kids. But they were in the saloons hanging out, going upstairs. And that was a whorehouse. That was prostitution that is going on. That's this country. Okay. Uh, So uh, child sex trafficking, from my experience, again, my experience, it's not what's shown through the media. It's not what you see when you Google image the word sex trafficking or trafficking victim. And you see the blonde hair, white girl with the spotches on her face and the X's on her and her mouth covered by dark hands. And I say that and I'm, I, with that, I'm saying that without knowing what images you've seen, but I guarantee you've seen something like that. A young 13, 14 year old girl with chains on her rope, something like that. Why is that imagery what's pushed? Why is that the standard for the imagery of child sex trafficking? You know, so from my experience and um, from my experience in, in what we called the game called the life, I was 16 going on 17 when I got involved. It was, um, you know, it was not, and I'll stick to my script because I know I, I kind of go off there and that's why I want to make sure I hit these, hit these points. From my, from my experience, like I said, it wasn't what you're seeing in media. It was not the movie Taken. It's not, I just watched the movie the other day on Netflix. It was a good film too. But once again, it's just the continual propaganda that's pushed on us to push this, per, this, this in, my, in my opinion right now, we talk about systematic racism. Wanted to interject systematic racism from my lens. Still to this day, the majority of the people in this country that are getting locked up, that are getting a a bunch of time put on them are young black men that are now labeled traffickers. You know, oftentimes there's no victim, but they're facing 25 years to life, you know, for this in, in federal court, which wasn't before. But laws have been shifted and grafted to continue the prison industrial complex that's going on and has been going on. You know, you know, there's laws now that's that's preventing people from getting these lengthy amounts of time for selling drugs, which we used to get before or for gang crimes that, you know, we, we call it the failed war on drugs. Now, now we have services for them. But what's continuing to keep these beds filled? So when I was growing up, it wasn't uh, a major part was mostly was youth on youth, even to this day. I told you I was 16 and my friends were 16, 17 years old becoming, uh, going into this lifestyle. We didn't get older women that were 21, 22. They wouldn't talk to my 16 year old butt. But who was, was the girl that was in class with me. The girl I grew up with. And she wasn't being tricked into, We, I mean, if anything, we both were being tricked into this thinking this lifestyle was good. But we were working together on a way out. And before I even go into this, please listen. When you listen to me, I am not condoning this sex trafficking. I am not condoning 
pimping, prostitution, none of it. It is horrible. I need it and want it to stop fast. I have lost too many lives to this. Personally, I have a list of dead friends going down my arm right now. I have two homegirls, best friends that are still in from when we were 16 years old. I'm 40 now. It is tragic. It is devastating. But there are reasons and a reason that we got involved. And it is not what's being pushed to you in this area. Not taking anything away and from these other areas of sex trafficking where there are kids forced into this. There are kids tricked, um, um, kidnapped. That does happen. That's not what I lived. And I don't know. I know of, but not again, not an expert. I'm going to keep going back. So I don't want the tape to play back and say Armand said this was okay or that that didn't happen. It does. And I've heard it. Um, But youth on youth. Friends talking other friends into getting into it. Men talking of young boys talking other boys into pimping. Girls talking other girls into prostitution. I grew up where girls would you were you weren't cool at that time. It's changed a lot to these days where it's not as heavy. I, it's not even as heavy as an epidemic in my community as it was 15 years ago when it was brand new to us. We came out of the out of the crack epidemic, then the gangbanging epidemic, where those were the cool. The gangbanging was the coolest thing to be involved in. And now you got impoverished kids with a lack of opportunities, resources and don't see anything else. And nor is the government bringing an influx of money in or services in to help these kids not to really not do this in the first place. They're left to figure out what's involved in their community, to see what's in the box of their community. And only do those things. We thought this was a way out. of. We didn't want to gangbang anymore. We saw the tragedy. We saw the deaths. We saw it. But yet had nothing else to do with that. Adults and on kids. Now there are adults. Young, ignorant, dumb adults. Sick adults. Weak adults. That have no other way. And I've seen it with close hand too. Um, that adults that will lure a kid, lure a, a, a young lady through love, might uh, sickness might even really love her into the lifestyle. Now, I did not. That was not a prominent one. It's not what, what I've heard throughout my, in my exposure of being involved in this anti-human sex tra- trafficking movement. There was not, um, you know, men out there stalking middle schools and couldn't wait till this young girl got out to go to go kidnap her. Tra- I didn't really see that. You know, I did see and it's still to this day, even if it's not trafficking, there's some older sick men who can't get a girl their age that just want a girl, a young girl for a girlfriend. You probably know those people. That's for real. So then you do have those those pimps that that those pimps, those predators that that cannot get a, a, a girl their age, because that requires you actually being able to talk and have a conversation with somebody your own age. And that's across every spectrum. There's police officers that I just heard of one, another one in San Diego recently. This sheriff that dating got caught up dating a 14 year old girl. He went trafficking her. That's just sick men. It's sick men, you know, and the, these different traits. Yeah, we're talking about sex trafficking, but this is happens across the board. You know, then there's these older men that are dating the girl. So the young girl. So adults on kid. Yes, it happens. You know, I I saw more of the youth on youth and maybe that's because I was a youth. You know, maybe I wasn't involved in the adult side. But now even as an adult, I still see that happening. I still see the youth on youth. That's your peer group. That's who you're more inclined to to deal with. 
So adults luring kids into the life, adults making lifestyle fair seeming. So then another way that I see adults influencing kids in um, a recently, like I, I'm, I'm going to speak on both on both angles. Um, there's there's women I know multiple times that have coerced a guy into pimping that have uh, many times in a specific neighborhood in, in, in San Diego where our track, our blade is. Um, I hope I think you guys may be familiar. That's where a lot of prostitution work goes on as far as the street work um, where kids have to go to school through there. They have to walk through these poor communities. They have to catch the bus through there. And I've heard on multiple times friends of mine who got into the lifestyle as a pimp, the girl, the woman who's there. Oh, baby, you cute. You'll be a good pimp one day. Even start giving them a little money. Start, you know, the 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 um, talking about the grooming process. This grooming goes along all the all the way. And this is not necessarily an uh, intentional, even on the, the woman, the, 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 the prostitute's hands. This is worth lost. She needs help. That kid's going through it, too, growing up in this in this world and looking at his surroundings and ends up going down that lifestyle. Women on women as well. I know many young girls who have aunties, have older cousins that are in the game, showing the money, showing it, bragging. These are other ways of luring people into the lifestyle. Once again, these are impoverished people with lack of resources, with lack of knowledge that have been caught up themselves. And the only thing you know is to be toxic. I have a video. It is, um, I have old videos that I just transferred over into to digital and the uh, uh, three of them that we were just recording each other. I was an 18 year old kid and uh, I was in, in knee deep in the game. And me and my one of my best friends were in the front seats. And there's an eight year old kid in the back seat. Young boy. It, he's a, he's the, the nephew of one of my best friends. That's that's dead right now. And the video starts off with me and my friend looking in the back seat, telling the eight year old kid, it's pimping with you, isn't it? Trey, like bragging like you, you pimping, right? And we keep repeating it until that young man says, yeah, it's pimping with me. What is that doing to that eight-year-old kid? But my 18-year-old butt didn't know any better either. In my head, it wasn't I'm making him into a pimp. So we're talking about adults luring kids into life. This just happened in this particular subculture. It's just happening because we're still lost. There needs to be a... Uh, there's just it's a lot of services and help that needs to happen to these communities and just locking people up is not the situation. The true addressing of the situation is not happening. Why did me and my peers get involved? So fatherless homes, there's a picture right here of me and one, two, three, four of my friends. Everybody in this picture is dead but me. Okay. Everybody, we were 16, maybe we weren't 17 yet. We were 16 years old. This was a high school dance. Pimping, we were, we were admiring pimps, wanted to dress, look, act like everyone in this picture is dead. Everyone in this picture did not have a father. Out of eight of my best friends, not one of us had a dad in the house. <laughs> Just listen to Kendrick Lamar new album yesterday and I got daddy issues. I got daddy issues too. You know, 
We thought we were breaking away from gangs. We didn't want a gang bang. That was the thing. But we, we didn't, you know, when we came into the lifestyle, we, there was no older pimps that we looked up to that we knew, okay, this is detrimental. We didn't get to see that life. Influenced by the media, songs, the music, the music still to this day is influencing young women, young men that this is okay and a lifestyle to be in. Grew up listening to Jay-Z, Big Pimpin', Nelly, Pimp Juice, Snoop Dogg when he turned from a gangbanger to, to all of a sudden now he's coming out on stage with girls on leashes and he's bragging about pimping, bringing Magic Don Juan out with him. Pimping was pushed on us through media tremendously. I don't remember anything a teacher taught me in school ever. But I can remember every Snoop Dogg line from 1993. What, who was really teaching us? Who was really the influence? So to, to act like music is not a major influence on the growing young minds, especially when you have no dad, especially when you have no, no, no outside mentorship coming in. It was a heavy influence. And then magically HBO, I don't even know if they exist. I haven't seen HBO in a long time, but that was one of the main uh, uh, movie broadcasting stations. You know, they had the, this documentary called Pimps Up, Holes Down. That was our first introduction to this lifestyle. Pimps Up, Holes Down, which is still to this day the number one viewed documentary ever that HBO produced. That documentary, we looked at that as kids. Lost, confused, didn't know what to do for a hustle. I've been on my own since I was 15 years old. I was a homeless kid from 12 to 15 that was either just selling weed at the time, stealing, doing whatever I could to make money to feed my family. By 15, I was out on the streets already. I have never been back home since 15. I didn't know what to do. So here comes this documentary. Thank you, HBO. Showed me a way that I could see, oh, you know, as a young black man, you think you're only capable of doing a few things to 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 succeed in life. And that's uh, um, some kind of sports, some kind of entertainment. You're not showing anything else. Yeah, I see these shows on TV. I see the Bel Airs. I see these other shows that are out there. I know it exists, but it's like Disneyland. It's like a fantasy world because I go back. All I know is this community and I don't see that prosperity, you know. So Pimps Up, Hose Down was in my, in my, my peers' introduction to the gang. And we went full-fledged, you know, mimicked, mocked these people. Now, if you look at those same people that were, that were these pimps that were in these documentaries, they were coming out denouncing this documentary. And there was one right after it called American Pimp that came out about a year later. And uh, strategically believed that the American government was using those movies to start the epidemic that's happening right now. Because it wasn't just my group of friends. It was it, it was it spread like wildfire. Once these documentaries hit, you start hearing it in the, the excerpts of the documentary in in the hip hop music, in the rap music, especially West Coast music. You've seen the shift of rappers going from low riders and dicky suits and gangster to, to now fly big rims, diamonds. It was a financial shift that we've seen in music. This was very, very influential to us in our community. This did not happen overnight. We've seen this as our way out of poverty. And now we were peer pressuring each other, peer pressuring uh, women on women, men on women, women on men, men on men. This was not a one way street. You had poor kids who finally saw a potential way out. You still hear this in music today, not as heavy, but I guarantee you, especially from this California and this West Coast, there's not a rapper. You cannot pick up an album and not hear one reference to pimping in there.
to prostitution in there. A lot of women rappers. Now you, it's not uncommon for women to brag about making money off her body. Come on and tell me I'm wrong. It's like it's still that peer pressure there. Meanwhile, the rest of the world's talking about anti-human sex trafficking. Yes, but where are the resources? What's stopping this? I've been in this anti-human sex trafficking field since 2014. I've been to many, many conferences, many trainings, many education with with uh, um, higher uh, uh, um, uh, like people, doctors, professors, intelligent people, degreed up all these initials after their name. This has been going on seven years. I swear I have not seen the pendulum move at all. I'm still having the same conversations. Fill the gaps. Where are the gaps? We filled them years ago. When are we going to start doing something about it? And locking people up has never worked. It's not the solution. You lock people up. You left kids there. And most kids I know whose dad or mom were incarcerated for trafficking. Guess what they became? They did not become priests. You left them familyless. You you filled the you filled up even more the foster care system, and now those kids are lost without parents and following their parents' lead. Where are we now? <laughs> Still impoverished, without opportunities and resources. I have a saying: the cavalry is not coming for us. We got to save ourselves. With that passion and desire, with that loss of friends, we started the organization and I started in 2010, Paving Great Futures. We have not had a program to this date that has not had men and women, survivors, currently in uh, uh, pimps and prostitutes in our programs together. People are like, how, what? And we never called them survivor programs or trafficking programs. It was just, it's a, it's a problem in our community. We have others. And they all stem from poverty. Still, um, right currently now, I, I can say I see more youth, more kids getting involved than ever before. And I, um, I, a lot of these, these things that I'm talking about, they're all subject topics on their own. Just that alone. Why are more children involved in tra- getting trafficked or getting involved in pimping and prostitution now? And it, that's the breakdown. And um, I've given an overview, but I promise, I, I if ever I'll come back, back and break these things down with the with the la- the the expansion, the launching of the internet, the 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 fact that how I told you when we got started, there was no older pimps or prostitutes that we really had in our community that we looked up to and could learn from and see. You know, it's one thing when you see somebody going through something tragic. We saw that with gangbanging. We saw that with the crack epidemic. So we kind of knew not to go down those paths because we saw it. When it came to pimping and prostitution, we didn't see it. So when HBO and media introduced it and made it yeah, jolly, we went that way. And it took time. You're not, you're not uh, all respect to the youth. I, I, I love y'all. But you do not have a full understanding and scope of life yet. And you can't. You have not lived long enough to do that. You're living, you know, when I was growing up, there was the dose that always said, I wish I was your age again. I would do X, Y, and Z different. And they only knew that because they lived. They were blessed to live. I'm 40 years old now. I wish I was 16 again. Hell yeah, I would do things differently. Hell yeah, I would have spoke up and saved my friends or tried to. 
But I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that this lifestyle was tragic. I didn't know that the pimps, even the pimps that were in the videos now are like, hey, man, we're sorry. I just watched a documentary with Pimp and Ken uh, um, coming on. Somebody I looked up to talking about, look, I, we were tricked. I did not mean that. Get out of this. But then at that time, he didn't know. Now these traffic, while those documentaries were coming out, trafficking laws were being created behind the scenes. Propaganda, then laws, then incarceration. But a lost generation was shown away. That was, a, was tragic, toxic. You know, we don't see that as much anymore. But now you have de- a state of desperation. You have now that there's been a generation because we were allowed to pimp and prostitute for a decade plus. Police knew they're not new to this. Law enforcement's job is to watch inner cities, watch people, you know, rooted in protecting slave masters property and keeping slaves intact. They, they, that's how the police started. They still doing the same thing. They knew. They used to call us by our pimp names on the track. They didn't care about the girls in. It wasn't a hot ticket item. They used to ask you, are you a gang member? Are you on probation, parole? Are you a fourth waiver? If they can catch you with girls in the car, condoms, they didn't care. Literally calling you by your pimp name on the track. But now that their marching orders are different, now it's a big thing and we care so much. No, you don't. Half of you are are the reason I'm still dating the women out here. If you really want to be truthful, why has not the attention been put on the buyer yet? But we're giving these these harsh penalties to the people involved and trapped in the life, this life. But yet the buyer is overlooked because if we did concentrate on the buyer, we're going to have judge, magistrate, congressmen. We're going to have those people that are getting locked up. They can't do that. But, you know, if you stopped, if you stopped the, the finances, we wouldn't be in the, you know, they wouldn't be in the game if there wasn't, if it wasn't prosperous, if it wasn't resources. If you cut the buyer off, do you think people would just be doing this? They'll find another hustle. They're poor. But no, that still hasn't happened yet. Right. So, yeah, it's a state of depression now because we've seen we've seen those um, we've seen those uh, um now the new generation, they lived under their auntie, cousins, fathers. They've seen the, de- the, the tragedy. So it's not as easy to get someone into the game. It's not as easy. You know, the Internet, a lot of my friends and women that are still in the game, my friends that are still in, most of them don't even have a pimp. They're like, why? Why do I need one? I can go in my own hotel room, post my own ad, work when I want not work when I want and not have to give my money to no dude. That's the mentality. Often there is still pimping and prostitution going on, but it's not as it was back in the day, but yet it's pushed on us like it's blowing up out of the, out of control right now. There's women, you know, and, and then there's a, this boyfriend girlfriend thing is really the biggest trend right now. And uh, oftentimes a girl who is getting money that way We'll talk a guy who's cool with it because that natural companionship between man and woman hasn't changed. So this, there's a woman that, that still wants that companionship, still wants that love, that boyfriend. And there is love involved. There is, you know, a sick, twisted, to- two toxic individuals that are trapped in the gang. But they, 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 they need help, both man and woman. And, it's, and they may share money. She may be paying this dude. He's not a real pimp. It's so rare for me to find a real pimp these days. 
I'm getting boyfriend and girlfriend, and I'm, I'm talking out of direct experience. I service this population. I live amongst them. I deal with them daily. This is not a study. So um, it's a state of desperation. I'm seeing more kids getting involved because that older dude who normally, would, you know, he used to be anti. Like they, when I was growing up, if you were a dude old of age and you had a minor, you were like weak. You might even get beat up. You weren't acceptable. You couldn't brag about that. You know, you couldn't. You, you, but it happened. Yes, it did. In secret. In secret. Nowadays, people just do this shit because, excuse my language, they just do it because it's hard for them to get a woman to 21, their age. That lady, now you got to have, no, why? She's why? Why should I be with you? And she knows the game because she lived it. She's seen it from my hood, from the community. We've seen it now. I'd rather be Cardi B. I don't need to do this with you. I'll go work on my own. So um, it's a state of desperation. I see and I see those that are leaning and will lean towards getting a minor girl because a 14, 15 year old girl has not lived that yet. And it's easy, more easy to manipulate her mind. So I do see it more than ever now. Um, Awareness and advocacy. So. Yeah, like I said, I've been in this for seven years. I haven't seen the, the a shift even a little bit where we've gotten to a better situation when it comes to trafficking. Not even a little bit. I swear to go. I'll go to a conference today and I can tell you everything they're going to talk about. I can tell you everything that's going to happen. It's like going to a good concert. Everybody's going to cheer. Everybody's going to be moved. Somebody's going to make some money. The conference is becoming it's become an industry. People are going to pay their heartstrings going to be pulled. There's going to be a survivor leader talk, tell her story. There's going to be an anti-pimp speech. There's going to be these things, and then we're going to go home. We're going to go back to our jobs. We're going to change our LinkedIn title to human sex trafficking advocate extraordinaire. And, and, and then what? Next year, same thing, annual conference. What, but, you know, and with me, you know, we focus on the problem. We get more problems. We focus on the solution. We get solutions. So what are the solutions? The biggest one, which... I'm just shooting out there. You know, I was taught, you know, you aim for the moon. Even if you don't hit the moon, at least you land amongst the stars. These people, the people, myself, my family, my friends that are no longer living. We didn't do this because we were monsters or evil people. We were trapped in poverty and there was no way or, or even the, the, from the education system, from K, from kindergarten on, from early, early education on, there was no uh, true education, true care. It's set up for failure from the beginning. We need to end poverty, financial literacy, show us a way, you know, help, help educate these communities that were, were put in poverty, continue to be locked in poverty. Redlining existed. Terrorism existed. This didn't just happen overnight. Like, oh, why did those people live in the hood? Why do these people live in, in wealthier neighborhoods? This was by design, you know. We might be just now being born now, but for years, hundreds, decades, this was imp- implemented. Laws were implemented to keep people impoverished. Systematic racism is real. Super, <laughs> unfortunately. Hey, but the biggest, if we ended poverty, we would end tra- uh, the, the subculture of pimping and prostitution that I come from. Hard, hard solution, though. So what can we actually tangibly do right now? Prevention and intervention, prevention, intervention and rescue, early education. 
I have a program. My organization has a program in two middle schools. The middle school I went to where I was a homeless kid, we got a program specifically in that one with young men, their highest risk, hardest to reach kids, teaching them. I'm going on 43. Let me, I know I got an hour. Let me stop. Uh, I just, I'll touch on this really quick, but early prevention. Middle school is the, 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 middle school is the most crucial age. That's that 12 years old to 15 year old age is the most crucial age group to reach kids. That's when they're breaking away from early childhood, going into when you're in high school and you think you know everything and you're going into I'm an adult. You're kind of already weaving your path at that time. And hopefully you get out or you get brought the right direction before you're trapped down the spiraling, downward spiral direction. Middle school, reaching early, teach kids, especially kids in the hood, in the community, impoverished community, how to make money legitly. Because they're going to start finding a way. I'm not going to accept watching this glorious stuff on TV and watching these videos and seeing fake rappers with, with a bunch of money and not try and get it myself. And if I'm not taught how to do it right, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way. So teach me. Teach me. Self-worth. From the beginning, I tell you, these kids, that it's, it's embedded you know, they're getting taught now from their parents who were it was embedded of not being worth anything. Subconsciously, consciously not worth anything. If I'm not worth anything, how how likely am I? I don't care about myself. So, yeah, I can kill somebody that looks like me. Yeah, I can sell this woman. I don't even love myself. Why am I going to care about somebody else? Self-worth, deep self-worth. So, um. All these things I'm talking about, I'm, I'm overly exhausted. I've been doing this. I've been in the trenches for 12 solid years. No breaks. Um, in the past, in 2021, I lost a loved one every single month of the year to murder. Number one, second, fentanyl, the opioid pandemic. Every single month of the year. In the past two months, I've lost four people already. Two community leaders to suicide. The rest to drug overdose. I'm done. Like I said, I've been doing these conferences and training. I'll continue to do this, but I'm in the I'm in the mix of midst of what you guys told you guys at the beginning, what you're helping with. I'm putting my whole heart, being and soul into a curriculum because um, there is no, you know, just lock the men up. So everyone needs help. So I have a curriculum for elementary, middle school and high school. That's that'll be on its way done, hopefully by this fall for our pilot to launch. It's called Walk With Me, using these skills, using hip hop, using uh, 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 real life stories. The one you read, it's, a, it, it, it's condensed, but it's a um, choose your own adventure story. It's really broke down to other parts. But I just wanted to get some feedback from people that, you know, high school age, middle school age. And I've got, got quite a few, but I wanted to share that with you, too. I will shut up now. My mouth is dry. OK, I am bleeding. Honestly, I am bleeding my, 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 my soul to y'all. This is not no just a PowerPoint. This is not just a, a topic I was trained in in a, in a comp, you know, this is no training. This was life. All right. Sorry. Thank you, Armand. Um, 
That was incredible and so eye-opening. Thank you so much for providing that perspective. Um, I'm sure that our YAS members have questions. So this is your opportunity. We have um, a little bit of time. Um, um, David, if you're willing to just uh, just hold off for, for 10 minutes or so, um, and then we can answer um, YAS questions. So anybody, does anybody have a question? Go ahead, Tara. Um, thank you for, first of all, everything that you spoke on. It was interesting getting like a new perspective of someone who's really been on the other side of trafficking instead of, you know, in one sense, you were sort of a victim. But um, my question is what, because these kinds of people who end up pimping or end up in the, like being trafficked, there's a lot of stuff that has to go on early on in their childhood to lead them through this path. But what would you say is the number one issue that you see that causes people to turn into this type, kind of lifestyle? Good question. Um, so like I said, with that, I, that, I had to try and time a PowerPoint. Sometimes I, I, I get long winded because it's a real issue with me. So the, each one of those different bullet points can be broken down extensively. And from my perspective, the, the people I know, my loved ones, women and men, the same issues that led this woman into the life were the same exact issues that led the man into the life, including child abuse, including every issue that you've learned about. And you only learn most because what's pushed. You've only learned what led the woman into life. You can mirror that to the man. The same fatherless house I had, the women had in my community, you know, and then, OK, then you go go down the rabbit hole. Why weren't there fathers in the house? Let's go right before this generation. Mass incarceration, higher penalties for, you know, the crack epidemic. I don't know if y'all go, please go watch Hulu Snowfall. It's it's might as well be the best history lesson ever in that series, showing how the, the cocaine, the crack epidemic was started by the CIA to fund a, a, the war on communism in South America. They brought it into the hood, destroyed us. Again, not a first time like, oh, no, again, this was the 80s. This wasn't that long ago. What what created the bloods and the crypts in the manner that they exist? What? There was war started on purpose with CIA tactics here. I'm not making it up. Go watch No Fall just because then you could go look into other stuff. Previous to that, the 70s, the black power movement in the late, the late 60s, early 70s. Read J.F. Hoover, the head of the FBI, targeting Black leadership. Why are you taking black leadership that are pushing prosperity unless you're trying to keep a people in a condition? I'm not. This ain't Armand's story. This is the story. So to add to your question, poverty, number one. And just keep going. Why are, why are these communities in poverty? Did they just start this way? This is all by design, Tara. This is all by design to keep. And then who's been in it? Like they said, if you want to know. Um, or uh, why America's problems are like they are, or who's in, who's benefiting, go, like who's benefiting from the problem. I forget directly how it's saying go, but basically you got a problem. Why is it like that? Look at who's benefiting from it. Who's benefiting from the prison industri uh, industry? Who? Why does Wells Fargo own stocks in prisons? Why? That's a business. That's a corporation and multiple others. Why would you? Unless you knew you were going to get a return on your investment. Why? 
So they want to keep them beds filled. You know, if they, there's not a, there's not, there's not, why is there not a bunch of money and resources coming into these communities to stop BIPOC community, poor whites from filling up these jail cells? If the, if the, you know how much money? I'm a court expert. I'm just going to be transparent. I'm a court expert with trafficking cases. I have one case right now that I'm alone making $22,000. And I'm like the bottom of the totem pole. That one case is probably worth half a million dollars. That one case. Times that times 100000 That is an industry. If crime was ever to stop, who would be out of work? We'd probably go in a recession like a mug. Prison guards. You know, the, the janitors, the people paying for the people that are running the phones, the court, the, the paralegal, the lawyer, the judge, the magistrate, the, the deputy out of work. The police, they don't want this to stop. They'd be out of work. So why does it continue? How do the same problems that number one poverty and from poverty, you branch off. Why families are broken up, poor education, all these stem from poverty. And, you know, and then the list goes on at poor education and poverty. Top two. Thank you, Armand. Um, Eli, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to start off by thanking you. Something I realized as you're going for your presentation, because I'm currently building a speech that I would like to do in front of my school and that I've gotten gone over with my principal with. Um, and something I realized when listening to you was that I'm definitely missing a large perspective and a large lens. And I have never looked at the issue this way before. I've never seen it from your experiences that you've had. And so that's really lighting to me. And I'm definitely going to go back and look over it and change some things. And I definitely love to share your story and talk about that with people, because I think it's really important that kids, you know, because especially I'm going to be talking to kids that like we're in that primary, as you said, from 12 to 15 that are right in that state where they're kind of going in a certain path. And I was also wondering if you could give me some advice on how to speak to those kids and maybe reach out to them through my speech when I'm talking in order to kind of put them in a, like on the right path in a certain direction if there are those kids in the audience. Okay. Um, number one, it's not a, it's not a book sale. I will buy my own book and send it to you, but you need that as a resource. This, what I'm saying, it doesn't really exist out there. And for, I am by far not the best speaker on this issue. I have friends that are way better, way, uh, um, with, with speeches with, um, that can tell you about this. But the reason that you don't see any other men such as myself out here speaking about this because if you were blessed to make it out of this lifestyle, to look back and be like, my life, well, that was toxic. I was wrong. I have many friends that did make it that are now married. A lot of them married to the girl they're with in the game the longest with kids, working jobs, construction, moving companies, um, founding organizations, but uh, pastors, ministers. But they don't speak on this. It's like living through a nightmare. And then you want to go back and talk about it. No, that's one reason they don't. And the second is you're afraid that your past may come back and hunt you. And now you got an indictment. I've seen people indicted at 30 years old for stuff they did at 18 because they were grouped into this group indictment, a RICO conspiracy or involved in trafficking at 18. This was a kid. So people don't speak. I'm just whatever crazy, you know, that I, I, I'm out here. 
get my book, please. Raised in Pimp City. And for whatever reason, if you don't, you can't afford it, message me back through Cheryl and I'll, I'll send it to you. But you need to have it. Now, those kids that may be in your um, in your audience, you you're seed planting. Even myself in running, I run groups. I'm with these kids throughout their school year, throughout their life. Even me at that level, I'm seed planting. So what you want to do is get educated yourself and then be truthful. As I started and continued throughout this and pointed to where my expertise is. You're, you know, you're a youth and you were a young, young kid once. You can kind of see through who's BSing you. And honestly, and putting myself, I'm going to put myself in that audience at that age and a kid. I'm barely paying attention to what the hell you saying anyway. I am. And um, I wouldn't listen to me unless I would. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm listened to but because I know how to hit those kids because I am that kid in that audience. And I've spoken to these kids on these one off speeches and they pay attention to me. So your delivery really matters. Your authenticity matters and realize you are there to plant seeds. So I'm not saying because you didn't live this lifestyle, you shouldn't go speak to them. No, please. We need as much awareness and a much as much information going to these kids as possible. Who knows who God may give you that touches you touch in that audience. You speak up. You speak from a place of understanding. Don't speak outside of what you're just you don't know of for sure and for fact. But you, you, you make them aware of what can be out there, what you've learned and say this. I've learned this, you know, you know, I, I believe this and make sure your speech is authentic. OK, and please, somebody's ear might be turned on, heart turned on to what you're saying. Um, so I just make them aware, make them aware of the tragedies and the, tox- the toxic lifestyle of Human, if you're speaking on human sex trafficking overall, make sure you say that. If you're being specific, be specific. Um, but authenticity and from a place of your heart. And then from there, you let, you know, excuse me, let God do the work from there. Thank you so much, Armand. Um, this has been, um, oh, David, do you have a question? If we can just fit in, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask something to our mind. And first of all, thank you so much for this. It was a, a, a really insightful uh, presentation. It, it helps me just bring more context to our own work here at White Ribbon. And also thank you for your work and for your resiliency. I, I am doing gender-based violence prevention work on a daily basis. And I, I, and, uh, I know how, how it can take a toll in your life, right? Right. And, uh, and hearing your, your own experiences, hearing about your own life, I, I just want to appreciate and, and be, show gratefulness for the work that you're doing in transforming the lives of youths uh, and also for, for everyone here because I know that we're all here on a Saturday morning just bring them some time to bring transformation to our all communities, right? So, so, so thank you for everyone. And I had a question for you based on uh, uh, one of the points that you made on, on folks who, who are buyers, the demand side of, of trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. You spoke about transformation, you spoke about uh, talking to youth uh, from an early age, and I was wondering, what do you, what are your thoughts on on addressing this demand on sexual exploited youth from through education, through challenging attitudes? Uh, can that be done? Do you address it in your own work? So, um, yes, it, it. So that education piece is once again down to self worth 
And just you got to warn kids about crazy, crazy adults, period, whether they're trying to buy them for sex or they just uh, there's some sick, sick, sick adults out there. So if I'm that I want to talk to this kid like I would talk to my nephew or my daughter, (laughs) I'm warning them. I honestly the way the world is is right now. I, someone told me this other day. I was at coffee with a friend of mine, and she, her kids, had just went through some crazy in, in a Catholic school retreat with some crazy counselor that had kids doing some sick stuff that they're attacking now. And she has said to me, and I'm taking this from her: "You gotta think that the adult is a child molester, crazy sicko first, and then work backwards." The way this is, so you want that your kid children on guard. From the beginning, not oops, I had this naive child. Now I'm teaching them. You want them on guard. So if you have them alert and on guard against these sick adults out here from the beginning, there will be no buying. If you And then how's your relationship with your child as a, as the parent, as the counselor, as the mentor? Is there is there that comfortability and open dialogue which needs to be open from the beginning so that child is comfortable enough to come tell you? If even like we want you to tell we want you child who we educated to come tell me, come tell this counselor from the beginning when you even think something weird happened. Oh, Dr. um Dr. Strange, not no Marvel Comics. Dr. Strange um winked at me. Tell me then. And now me as counselor, like, oh, it's okay. No, no, no. No, you're not sitting on anybody's lap. No, you're not. Six, seven, oh, that's cute. No, the hell it's not. Not in this day. I'm sorry, but it's like that. You want your child comfortable. And I'm saying child because sometimes mentor, teacher, you are the parent. Sometimes, especially in an impoverished community, that single mom, most cases, grandmother, is working two jobs, one job is you spend more time with your counselor, educator than you do with your own parents and at home. You need that open dialogue and relationship. We want to prevent. It's easier to prevent someone from going down toxic and tragic traumas than it is to help them once they've already gone down it or suffered from it. I want you alert. No, it's not OK for a, a, this grown grown ass man to hold your hand. No, daughter. It's not okay for him to hug you. No, daughter. No, mister. Move. Because you were taught that. It's prevention time. I'm about to have my firstborn. She's going to know Taekwondo at three. Trust me. Don't even look at me weird. That's my daughter's mentality. She's going to be throwing ninja stars by 13. Trust it. Yeah, ain't no man. Come, don't, uh-uh, you don't, I don't care. Uncle. Uncle nothing. Grandpa, nothing, nothing. And, and I'm sorry, I've seen enough Netflix documentaries. I'm not making this up and I wish it wasn't like that. But you t- and young men, young men. It's not just young women, young men, adults, not all of us are sick. And it's not I don't see it getting any better. And I, I think it's always been like that. We just have more ways of exposing it like racism. It's not new. It's just exposure, you know, so we've been exposed enough. If you're still being naive and not training the children you're around, then that's our fault.
Thank you. Um, Julie, is it a quick question? Uh, okay. It's not a question. I just wanted to say on behalf of Yas, uh, thank you so much, so, so much, Armand, for not only sharing your presentation, but for sharing your, your story and for sharing a whole new perspective when it comes to sex trafficking um, and just for being so real and vulnerable with us. And we really thank you for answering all the questions and also uh, taking time out of your schedule to speak to us. Sorry for background noise. All good. Absolutely. My pleasure. And um, um, anytime you guys get my email, um, if you have another question that comes from here, I know we got to move on. Just message me. I got you. And um, um, please fill out those questions because I, I could use the feedback. And now just know by even that, by you giving me that feedback is valuable and it's going to go into this curriculum to help these young men. You know, and if I could stop one man from getting into pimping, I, you know, inadvertently we're saving, you know, one pimp probably crosses 100 women easily. So me stopping this man or saving this man, we're saving the everybody. We're saving men and women, okay? So I definitely value your feedback. Thank you so much, Armand. Um, so we will we will be in touch and, and you know, I think be a lot of opportunities to potentially work together. Um, so we're very excited about that. And thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. You have been an amazing speaker um, and have taught us so much, even for me. And I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm learning so much from you. Um, so thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And it's just my opinion. This from my lived experience. Everybody has different experiences. So I'm not taking away from anybody else, but that's mine. Okay, and you have yours. Bye bye. You guys have a great day. Thank you, Armand. Bye. Thanks.